1: Live from the NASDAQ market site overlooking New York City's Times Square, this is Fast Money. I'm Melissa Lee. Tonight's trader lineup, Guy Dami, Dan Nathan, Karen Feinerman, and Tim Seymour. Tonight on Fast, the man with a penny price target on AMC. LightShed Partners Rich Greenfield is with us. Why he's sticking by his call that AMC is headed to a penny a share. Plus, we're all over the after-hours action. Shares of Lululemon, CrowdStrike, and DocuSign. All three stocks on the move right now. And earnings will dive into the quarters. And later, Tesla takes the tumble, the headline out of China that sends shares skidding today. But we start off with Wall Street's summer blockbuster, AMC offering investors as many twists and turns as a box office thriller. Shares plunging 40 percent earlier in the day after the company announced plans to sell more than 11 million shares. Then in a major plot twist, they pulled it off. We mean all of it. AMC completing the stock sale today. Shares closing down just 18 percent. And check out what AMC said today in a regulatory filing. Under the circumstances, we caution against investing in our common stock unless you are prepared to incur the risk of losing all or a substantial portion of your investment. What should we make of all of this, Guy?
2: Well, first of all, I mean it's great to be back. And I got to tell you something. People don't realize how difficult this show is to host. When we're all here together, you've been able to do this now for 14 months with us in all different positions. It's remarkable what you've done and our entire staff, the guys and gals in EC and the guys and gals here at the NASDAQ. I just wanted to say that because it's important. What do I make of it? Well, you go swimming out in California, you go to Australia and see those signs. You know, you can swim, but there are great white sharks in the water. But just just so you understand, that's the same thing that CEO is telling you. He's basically said. Listen, there's a chance that this goes to zero. Forewarned is forearmed. Now, if you're in for the fun and you just have a few dollars that you're messing around with, that's fine. But understand that the CEO of the company said the fundamentals don't line up with our stock price. That tells you all you need to know, in my opinion, Mel.
1: Karen Feinerman, you have been passionate about this AMC story. Adam Aaron has navigated this Reddit frenzy like a pro, as if he's been through this before somehow. What do you make of this? <laughs> I don't know, I could have been through it before. I mean, he has handled this brilliantly, just absolute
3: perfection. I mean, I was just looking today, he issued bonds in December, first lien bonds, meaning that, that's the highest security you can have, 15% interest, 15, that's crazy. He would do. He was doing anything to just save the ship. And then the miracle happens, and Wall Street Bets, they're all excited about it, and the story gets a lifeline, and, he, and he's able to sell some stock. Remember, that was like a nine or 10. And then on conference calls, he says, they own the majority of my stock. I work for them. And the stock rises again, and he's able to raise more money. And then, you know, Reddit apes, they love Diane Fossey and the gorillas. And so he has the company donate $50,000 to that and $50,000 of his own money, which is just absolute genius. Stock goes up again. He sells more. He offers popcorn and discounts to his shareholders. Brilliant, and they love him. And then today he files this be afraid. You know, I, you're my guys and girls. You've helped me. I don't want you to get hurt. Brilliant again. I mean, kudos to Adam Aaron. He did everything possible to save the ship. And I I don't know if he gets her or not, but at this rate, he'll save the ship by, you know, the middle of June. It's extraordinary. Good for him. I don't know how he did it, but it's just masterful.
1: I mean, from a company that was into though. the into the abyss of bankruptcy, not knowing if it could survive the pandemic, to where it is now, Dan. I mean, what? I mean, it's night and day. Even if the fundamentals, even if the industry may not be pointed in the right direction for him. Yeah. Um, it's it's a dramatic change
0: yeah I, listen what Karen's speaking to is how he's operated over the last six months on, on things that have are out of his control and he's done it right I think there was a lot of criticism back in January and February what gamestop did or didn't do in the fi- uh, same situation I think it's really important to go back and remember 2018 this company did about 5.5 billion dollars in revenues they did about 5.5 billion billion dollars in revenues in 2019 in 2019 they lost 112 million dollars in net income they were already losing money on five and a half billion dollars in revenue. It's really, the business is not coming back. Do you think those Reddit people are buying the stock? Do you think they actually use the product? No, they don't. They stream, they, they steal, whatever the heck it is that they do for movies. So I guess at the end of the day, it's fantastic that they've raised a billion dollars. They still have $11 billion in a debt and they don't generate cash and they actually lose money. So they're gonna be in a really difficult situation. And we also know after the GameStop thing, this like it's likely to come in. A, a great deal in the not so distant future.
1: Or maybe we all just don't understand this new way of quote unquote valuing companies on Wall Street. Tim, I'll go to you because I know you're going to just <laughs> laugh all over this. But Rich Gelfon, the CEO of IMAX, is on earlier today and, and he said, you know what, far be it for me to try and understand the new ways, I obviously am missing something going on here. But money is being made, the stock is going higher. What, what do you think? Are we entering some sort of new era? I mean, I understand fundamentals are fundamentals, valuation are valuations, but are we missing something?
4: Well, again, the analyst community downgraded IMAX, too. So I mean, you have a dynamic here where, look, I I, I don't, um, capital markets dynamics are are very powerful. And let's also be clear, institutional investors are uh, very much involved in this, too. I mean, Mudrick Capital, let's talk about some genius here, by the way. I mean, These guys made $75 million on a major, major stock flip. Um, So I think you've you've seen it from all sides. Uh, Capital markets dynamics to the extent that a balance sheet can be improved, uh, whether it's entirely cleaned up is a very different story, um, are I think the things that we're talking about. We applauded at $9 on a share raise. Why wouldn't we applaud uh, yesterday and into today? So, I mean, you have a case here where, yes, that's all very good news for the company, but it's hard for me to, to argue with, with what's been said. Uh, interest expense still significant for these guys. What kind of capex? What kind of opex? What's the real story for tomorrow? And, and being opportunistic and buying up a theater or two, uh, and maybe taking some kind of a leadership position in a much smaller addressable market, Mm -hmm. even with theater exclusivities and some things that I'm sure Disney will do. Um, But it's, it's, no, we're not missing the fundamentals. We are not missing the fundamentals.
2: No, I agree with that, Tim. And I think that Dan's point, I mean, the the business model was broken. I mean, this maxed out. I think I mentioned it last night, $38.5, $39 in December 2016. Stock made an all-time high, and it spent the next five years going lower long before the world ever heard of COVID. So I understand what's happened over the last year and a half, but nothing has fundamentally changed for the business. So to suggest that the stock can continue this meteoric rise in the wake of a failing business model, to me, is Interesting in a word, but foolish in
0: another word. Well, yeah, and guy, the kids are going to at you on the Twitter. I know they are. Say you're you're unhappy that they're making money, and that is not the case. We've been talking about this for months and months. Let me tell you what has gone on over the last six to nine months. Every pocket of like irrational exuberance in the markets has basically. It's, it's, it's come apart. It's crashed. So we think about it. There's high valuation tech IPOs. We know they're down 30, 40, 50 percent. A lot of these meme stocks have come in. We know that SPACs have come in and we know that crypto is now down 30, 40 percent from their recent highs. There's no reason to believe this shouldn't be the exact same thing in a stock like this. So when you talk about who's making money, yeah, kudos to Mudrick or whatever the heck they're called. And there are some institutions it and there's some individuals, but there's going to be a lot of bag holders. And That was the same thing that we learned in January and February when the GameStop thing came undone.
1: Or should we look at the, the retail trader, Karen, as maybe a new class of investor who might have the diamond hands, the, the stomach to hold on to this? I mean, are we underestimating them in terms of their willingness to be in a stock no matter what? They're already in a stock despite the fundamentals, despite uh, the debt on the balance sheet. Um, maybe they're stronger hands than institutions.
3: Maybe. Um, <laughs> I think a couple things going on though. I think for going back to GameStop when that happened, I think there were some kamikaze shareholders there, who maybe recognized GameStop, you know, was trading at crazy valuations, but they had the joy of really, you know, putting it to big hedge funds and seeing them in pain, and it was worth it, right? It was worth it if they were going to lose money. So there's that element. Um, there's, I guess, maybe an altruistic AMC element here, but I just, I, I, can't believe that ultimately the gravity of fundamentals and free cash flow, I, I can't believe that that ultimately doesn't come into play. And mm-hmm. you know, Aaron's telling you that,
1: right? Well Back in March, our next guest came on this very show after slapping a penny price target on AMC shares, saying there was no way AMC would be able to pay down its debts since then. The company has raised more than $1.2 billion in equity and added $30 billion to its market cap. Let's welcome back Rich Greenfield of LightShed Partners. Rich, great to have you with us. And, and I know that you, you have the model. You're going to stick with your model. But at the same time, has anything changed? Has AMC at least given itself a small lifeline um, to to sort of navigate the very, very rough waters of this reopening.
5: Well, let's just step back. I want to address something that you and the, mm-hmm. the Fast Money team were just talking about, you know, in terms of diamond hands. I mean, just to set the floor in facts, in the last five trading days, it's traded 3.2 billion shares. There's only 512 million shares of AMC Outstanding um, after today's uh, 11 million share sales. So, The idea that this is just people holding on to the stock and like they're never going to sell just explain like how is this thing traded three point three 3.2 billion shares the amount of volume. It's the most traded stock in the entire world over the course of the last month. This thing is trading like liquid. There's no short squeeze. I mean a short squeeze is when you can't get out like there's not you know where the short interest is so high relative to what it's trading. Anyone could be out of their short position in four minutes like there's no. There's no liquidity issue here this thing trades like water and so I think there's a bit of a misperception that what's really going on is just retail buying from other people in retail and you know toward what you just what was just being discussed like someone's making a lot of money here and a lot of people are going to be left holding the bag because at the end of the day the fundamentals here just don't support the valuation I mean Cinemark exact same company I mean same industry same you know they don't own their theaters they have the same movies that come out same EBITDA in 2019 effectively as AMC. It's a $5 billion enterprise value. AMC is at 30 billion. Exact same companies, and one company's got a stronger balance sheet, Cinemark, than AMC does. And so this is just factually you know, bonkers, literally when you look at sort of the relative positioning uh, of these two companies in the same exact industry.
1: So is there any way, Rich, in your mind to explain this I mean you you've been through this sure for a very uh, you long can definitely time. explain yeah. this
5: no no, you can explain this absolutely I mean when you have sort of you know a lot of investors buying dramatically out-of-the-money call options and sort of creating this effective gamma squeeze I mean and you have a lot of you know you know funds that are playing on momentum as well you can see how these spikes happen up and down I mean, just look at the swings that happened today again cutting through it all though ultimately can this company actually delever i mean the only way to answer your question melissa of like how this company could save itself from going out of business it still has to issue one to two hundred million more shares i mean it needs it's losing money every day it didn't make money as you pointed out in 2019 Um, this company needs to raise a lot more capital you saw what happened when it raised 11 million shares today it probably needs to raise hundred and fifty million more shares at this stock price let alone what its real stock price should be where it would have to issue hundreds of millions of more shares. Um, they don't have the authorization though to do that so they need all of these retail shareholders to actually vote in favor of the company massively diluting them over the coming year and so it's going to be very interesting whether Adam Aaron can convince them to be diluted because without dilution they're be, are they really between a rock and a hard place like. They have debt covenants, they have to get back to 85% of box office by Q4 in terms of attendance, or they're going to start tripping covenants. So they need to issue a lot more equity and soon.
2: Rich, you know, I think the world you its guy. by the way, you've been coming on the network with us for years. And I think you do extraordinarily thoughtful work. And I still do, by the way. This has not changed because I don't think the story has changed. I think the only thing that has is the stock price. My question to you, though, is what have you learned since the date Mel mentioned, that March date? Have you learned anything in terms of, you know, the way you present things, just anything about the business? Because it has fundamentally changed now over the last four or five months in terms of your community.
5: Yeah, look, I mean, I'd say from an industry standpoint, I think what's interesting, and you had Ari Emanuel on, the sh- on uh, was on CNBC earlier, they reported their first quarter at Endeavor as a public company. And Ari last night on their earnings call, it was pretty clear that the film industry is changing and we're, we're finding sort of a new way in which movies are released. And so you're not gonna see the same type of theatrical windows. Movies are gonna come much, much faster to streaming and avoid theaters or be shorter in theaters. And so the film industry is fundamentally changing. That dynamic is completely lost on the retail buyer of this. They're not buying it because they look at the financials. They're not buying it because they understand the future of this company. I mean, if they were excited about the industry, they'd be buying Cinemark and IMAX and many other stocks. That's not happening. They're simply just being t- buying it because somebody else on a Reddit message board told them to go buy it. So it's sort of this follow the herd. And again, I don't know what ends this. I really have no idea you know, the fact that I think, it be, you know, pre-open this morning, I think it was trading at like $75 a share. You know, I have no idea what changes the course of this stock. All I know is from an earnings standpoint, this company will struggle to ever get back to what it earned in 2019, given the changes in the film industry. It's way behind on its rent payment, so it's got a lot of deferred rent. It's way behind on its capital improvement, so its CapEx has to go up. And so it's got higher interest, sorry, higher rent expense higher CapEx, and it probably never earns the EBITDA it earned in 2019. That's a really tough place to be when you're still sitting on billions of dollars of debt. I just hope Adam is smart enough to somehow convince all of these shareholders to absorb, you know, massive dilution from here.
1: Rich, we're going to leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us. Always good to talk to you. Thanks for having me. Rich Greenfield, LightShed Partners. Um, Karen Feinerman, Adam Aaron has uh, has earned the name Silverback amongst his Reddit community for his support of the Diane Fossey <laughs> organization. Do you think that he will have the power to convince people that dilution may be in the end in their best interest if it actually saves the company?
3: Well, he has so far up to here. I mean, if you had said two months ago, listen, you're going to be able to issue, you know, $600 million worth of stock at, I don't know, $53 was the average price-ish, maybe. That would have seemed... Highly unlikely. I mean, and yet here we are. So if he's like, guys, I need your help. It's really risky, but I need your help. Who knows? This is this is insanity. But good for him for navigating it. I I just I don't I don't get it as a as a long shareholder. I don't get it.
0: I don't think we could find a single investor IRL. You know how you play that game? Like, who would do this? IRL Raise your in hand. Real th- life. Th- yeah, that sort of thing. Oh, is that what that means? I thought that was this, an internet is thing. There, it is an internet. But can you find a single person IRL who would buy that stock right here? Who would buy it right here as an investment? like thinking about long term, after everything we just discussed, after everything that Rich in a very sober manner just discussed, there, there's no fundamental reason for it, right? So we have a stock market mania. We have people doing things that are against their best can I, interest. Can I,
1: can I ask a question? Sure, it's your show. I know. <laughs> that, was, that question was rhetorical. On Wall Street, aren't there traders out there on various desks who simply trade momentum? There's no fundamental reason for a swing yeah. higher or a swing lower. But that trader on that Wall Street trading desk trades the momentum. And yet, why are we criticizing these investors are well, trading quanti- the momentum.
0: They're largely quantitatively based. I mean, they're, they're basically, it doesn't matter if it's AMC or some other ticker, right? They're taking all these other inputs. I mean, what, what what we're just describing here is that this is this diamond hand situation, stick it to whoever, you know, that sort of thing. It's a game. They're playing it on their iPhone. And, and again, if that's what you're in it for, have at it, but but understand that that this stock will likely be much, much lower from here, probably 50% in a month from now.
2: I miss the live have at it's with Dan, yeah. with Salty right? Dan. It's different yeah. <laughs> when it I don't think. I, listen, well, I can only speak for myself, but I don't think I'm criticizing. I'm, I'm not criticizing this crowd at all. I've said a number of times during GameStop that these folks, these guys and gals, I mean, some of them are brilliant and actually understand the things that the people get paid to understand don't. It's fascinating to me, gamma and all the options activity that you've seen, right, and all the statement, not statements, but all the metrics you use with options. They understand it intuitively. So I think it's fantastic. We point this out. Because I think we have an obligation to point out when things just don't make sense. It doesn't make sense right now. And by the way, I'm still not convinced there's not the Mel Gibson Braveheart um, character, so how, using the crowd to his advantage. There's some oh, group or group of people out there. There's we don't know. There's a lot know. we don't know about and this And there's right no now. question to me that the same way, you know, use mess, whatever they were 10, 15, 20 years ago, they're using these folks on these Reddit boards to their advantage as well. Yeah.
1: Let's bring in Mike Coe for more on uh, another day of pretty wild options activity in AMC. Mike, what'd you see?
6: Yeah, so we we saw a lot for the second day. It's the most active single stock option. For the second day, it traded more than 4 million contracts. Um, I mean, it's just a, a world of superlatives here. And, you know, some of the comments that everybody was making about whether these are momentum trades or investments, I mean, options expire. So, therefore, they're not a buy and hold forever type of uh, a vehicle to speculate on the change in price of a stock like AMC. And as evidence of that, the top 10 most active options in AMC all expire tomorrow. So people who are trading those aren't looking past into the weekend even as far as AMC is concerned. And the most active options that we saw that expire tomorrow, believe it or not, were the 145 strike calls. So about 173,000 of those traded for about $1.17. At an implied volatility in excess of a thousand percent, which actually starts to make options seem very hard to price, to be honest with you. So, I think what's going on here is a lot of people are using options to speculate on very short term volatility. And you know, there are market participants in there. I actually know a couple personally who are professionals who are just trading the momentum. There is not a fundamental case to be made here. But that doesn't mean that there isn't a trading case, and that's what people are doing. But it's a uh, very deep end of the pool stuff that people are doing.
1: Yep, wise words. Mike, thanks. Mike Co. see you tomorrow for the full show, Options Action, 5.30 p.m. Eastern time. All right, uh, let's get to DocuSign here. It is moving in the after-hours session on earnings. Let's get to Deirdre Bosa with the details. Debo.
7: Melissa, like many of the work from home darlings, investors are wondering whether DocuSign can sustain momentum, become more than its core product, so that 54% revenue growth In the past quarter and strong guidance for Q2 and the full fiscal year, that is certainly helping to make that case. And that's why shares are up nearly 6%. Like Zoom earlier this week, DocuSign CEO Dan Springer, he is making the case on the earnings call right now that DocuSign is a platform that can go beyond and can service the entire deal process. So that means enhancements within that e-signature product, as well as other categories like contract lifecycle management. Springer also saying that he doesn't see the strong first quarter as pull forward, but rather simply increased demand and, quote, a very large ocean says they're still in the early stages of even the e-signature business. Meantime, though, DocuSign is facing increasing competition from the likes of Adobe with a growing sales and marketing business. Shares, as I mentioned, they're up nearly 6% uh, in the after hours, but year to date, uh, they're still underwater. And of course, they were one of the best performers last year, uh, tripling share price. Back to you. All right, Deidre, thank you. Deidre Bosa, Guy Dami, this is one that you were
1: watching.
2: You were watching. Yeah, last night we talked about and I thought the sell-off was such that, you know, it gave you an opportunity into the market today. Obviously, it sold off into earnings, and now you're seeing the pop now. But Dan's going to make fun of me again, as is his want to do. But. Operating margins came in at north of 20%. a hair over 20%. The she was at 13%. And oh, by the way, not only did they guide for the second quarter, they guided for the full year. And if you look, it's a pretty healthy guide. So I think the sell-off is such that you can buy the stock for trade. Dan's going to say valuation doesn't make sense. He's correct. But you know what? You have the growth behind it, both EPS and revenue. I like the name here.
1: All right, coming up. All green lights are Ford and GM. Both stocks driving higher in today's session. We'll tell you what sent the stock soaring. Plus, we've got more after-hours action coming your way. Shares of Lululemon on the move on reporting earnings. We're stretching into that trade when Fast Money returns.
7: What's on the horizon for financial markets?
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got an earnings alert on Lululemon shares on the move after the company reported earnings. Let's get to Sarah Eisen, who has all the details, just spoke with the CEO. Sarah. Hi, Melissa. Good to see you.
8: Lulu's business is still going strong despite reopening back to work, back to jeans and dresses. Comfy athleisure still in sales rising 88 percent in the quarter. The company also raised its forecast for full year sales. Store sales doubled, which showed that foot traffic returned in a big way. And e-commerce continues to rise up 55% for the quarter. That's the direct-to-consumer business. The company is expecting 55 to 65% growth in its mirror business this year. That's the at-home fitness work product. And now says that it's adding it in 90 stores by the end of this month and 200 by the end of the year. Despite questions about subscribers and growth as gyms reopen and... People work out together again. CEO Calvin McDonald addressing some of those concerns.
9: At-home fitness was a trend uh, before the pandemic. Uh, it obviously accelerated uh, during the pandemic, and we believe it will continue to remain an important part of uh, how our guests choose to live the sweat life post the pandemic. And we're investing to create a very meaningful business. Uh, we see Mirror being able to have a, uh, a solid standalone P&L Uh, It strengthens our community uh, relationships with our guests.
8: Lulu's stock a bit higher here after hours, but it has lagged this year down more than 8% plus. And last year, over the last 12 months, down 2% after a multi-year run. Investors are concerned it was a pandemic play because it did so well over the last year. But so far, Lulu is proving that it's got good exposure to store reopening as well. McDonald was especially optimistic about his stores reopening. Also, he made the point, Melissa, that unlike any other retailer that we're seeing now post huge comp sales this quarter, McDonald said that his two-year compound annual growth rate, a good way to measure returns, is 25%, which he claims is higher than the rest of all of his peers. The stock is only up half a percent as the whole growth trade really gets a rethink here.
1: Yep. Sarah, thank you. Sarah Eisen at the NYSE. Tim Seymour, I'll go to you on Lulu here. Um, The move half a percent in the after hour session. Is it is it good that the stock isn't selling off Uh, or is it surprising to you that the stock isn't moving much higher based on what seemed like a good report?
4: I I think the stock, first of all, sold 20 percent or so off these numbers. It it twice has gotten up around three eighty three ninety to put in pressure. And then you, you have a multiple—that's that's the pressure point here. Look, the, the valuation uh, very rich, but again, if you want to see where they're going to settle into a post-COVID uh, consistent profile of uh, DTC, fifty-five to sixty percent, um, I think they will. And, and you know, the innovation here and the ability of this company to have pricing power—you uh, heard them also on this earnings call talk about their gross margin improvement, a couple hundred basis points, despite freight costs, despite despite some of these dynamics around uh, the port uh, embargo and the tie-ups there. So, look, I. I think I think you've got a case where uh, as an investor you have to decide where you're willing to hold your nose on the multiple. You, you're almost doing the same thing with a Nike and there's a lot of comparisons here with a much shorter track record for Lulu. Um, but I think, you know, I'm not surprised to see the stock holding in here. If anything, I think it's, it's tested the bottom end of a range and I think it's going to move higher.
2: I agree with Tim. It's fascinating to me. That mirror product is perfect for Tim Seymour, if you think about it, for a myriad of different reasons. And Tim's not here to fight back, and that's not cool of me. But you know what I'm saying, Tim. I I do miss you. I'll say this. Inventories were up 17 percent year over year. But guess what? Sales were up 56 percent. You know what that means for next quarter, in my opinion? that operating margins, which were great this quarter, north of 16, will be north of
0: 20%. I think you can buy the stock here. I'm surprised Ooh, it's not higher. This, this, this is a disaster. So Mel said the fact that it's only down a half a percent, given the guidance, given the quarter. This chart is one of the worst-looking charts in the entire stock market. It is down 20% from its all-time highs made in September. And if it breaks here, if it can't hold here, it's going back to that February-March low near 270, which was also the breakout level from last May here. So, uh, you know, listen good news bad price action guy adami what do you say to that
2: i don't see it as bad price action but i love the fact that we're together and dan's getting in my grill salty dan live there's nothing like it it's fantastic all right fair enough
1: uh karen what did you make of this quarter
3: i thought it was an excellent quarter and i thought the guidance was good i thought i mean the mirror acquisition i think they paid 500 million dollars i think will end up being a home run which is which is great the problem is tim brought up right it's 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 double the market multiple, double. And, you know, it's price for perfection. They've delivered perfection. That makes it fairly valued right here. So I don't own it anymore. It's a, it's a really great company. But, you know, if a little bit of the, the post-pandemic slows things down a little or even the perception is more uh, pronounced that, okay, they're, they were a pandemic stock, then I think there's downside. All right. We've well, got a
1: lot more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
0: No red lights for Ford and GM. These stocks putting the pedal to the metal. You better buckle up for this next trade. Plus, a tweet with some heat. Twitter announcing a new subscription service. So is this stock ready to take flight? We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
3: Welcome to the Canva guided meditation for stress at work.
1: Impending deadline.
3: Generate Canva presentations in seconds. So fast. Brainstorm got too big? Ooh. Summarize with AI in a click. Writers block? Release with Canva Magic Write. Magical. Stress less and save time at canva.com. Designed for work.
1: Fast Money, we've got an earnings alert on Lulu Lemon shares on the move after the company reported earnings. Let's get to Sarah Eisen, who has all the details, just spoke with the CEO. Sarah. Hi, Melissa. Good to see you. Lulu's business is still going strong
8: despite reopening, back to work, back to jeans and dresses. Comfy athleisure still in. Sales rising 88% in the quarter. The company also raised its forecast for full year sales. Store sales doubled, which showed that foot traffic returned in a big way. And e-commerce continues to rise, up 55% for the quarter. That's the direct-to-consumer business. The company is expecting 55 to 65% growth in its mirror business this year. That's the at-home fitness work product. And now says that it's adding it in 90 stores by the end of this month and 200 by the end of the year. Despite questions about subscribers and growth as gyms reopen and People work out together again. CEO Calvin McDonald addressing some of those concerns.
9: At-home fitness was a trend uh, before the pandemic. Uh, it obviously accelerated uh, during the pandemic, and we believe it will continue to remain an important part of uh, how our guests choose to live the sweat life post the pandemic. And we're investing to create a very meaningful business. Uh, we see Mirror being able to have a, uh, a solid standalone P&L uh, it strengthens our community uh, relationships with our guests.
8: Lulu's stock a bit higher here after hours, but it has lagged this year, down more than 8% plus. And last year, over the last 12 months, down 2% after a multi-year run. Investors are concerned it was a pandemic play because it did so well over the last year. But so far, Lulu is proving that it's got good exposure to store reopening as well. McDonald was especially optimistic about his stores reopening. Also, he made the point, Melissa, that unlike any other retailer that we're seeing now post huge comp sales this quarter, McDonald said that his two-year compound annual growth rate, a good way to measure returns, is 25%, which he claims is higher than the rest of all of his peers. The stock is only up half a percent as the whole growth trade really gets a rethink here.
1: Sarah, thank you. Sarah Eisen at the NYSE. Tim Seymour, I'll go to you on Lulu here. Um, the move, half a percent in the after-hour session, is it, is it good that the stock isn't selling off? Uh, or is it surprising to you that the Man, stock look, isn't moving much higher based on what seemed like a good report?
4: I, I think the stock, first of all, sold 20% or so off these numbers. It, it twice has gotten up around 380, 390 uh, to put it in pressure. And then you, you have a multiple that's, that's the pressure point here. Look, the, the valuation, uh, very rich. But again, if you want to see where they're going to settle into a post-COVID uh, consistent profile of uh, DTC 55 to 60%. Um, I think they will. And, and, you know, the innovation here and the ability of this company to have pricing power, uh, you heard them also on this earnings call talk about their gross margin improvement, a couple hundred basis points, despite freight costs, despite, despite some of these dynamics around uh, the port uh, embargo and the tie-ups there. So look, I, I think you've got a case where uh, as an investor, you have to decide where you're willing to hold your nose on the multiple. You, you're almost doing the same thing with a Nike. And there's a lot of comparisons here with a much shorter track record for Lulu, Um, but I think, you know, I'm not surprised to see the stock holding in here. If anything, I think it's it's tested the bottom end of a range, and I think it's going to move higher.
2: I agree with Tim. It's fascinating to me. That mirror product is perfect for Tim Seymour, if you think about it, for a myriad of different reasons. And Tim's not here to fight back, and that's not cool of me. But you know what I'm saying, Tim. I I do miss you. I'll say this. Inventories were up 17 percent year over year. But guess what? Sales were up 56 percent. You know what that means for next quarter, in my opinion? that operating margins, which were great this quarter, north of 16, will be north of 20%. I think you can buy the stock here. I'm surprised Ooh, it's not higher. This,
0: this, this is a disaster. So Mel said the fact that it's only down a half a percent, given the guidance, given the quarter. This chart is one of the worst-looking charts in the entire stock market. It is down 20% from its all-time highs made in September. And if it breaks here, if it can't hold here, it's going back to that February-March low near 270, which was also the breakout level from last May here. So, uh, you know, listen good news bad price action guy adami what do you say to that
2: i don't see it as bad price action but i love the fact that we're together and dan's getting in my grill salty dan live there's nothing like it it's fantastic all right fair enough
1: uh karen what did you make of this quarter i thought it was an excellent quarter and i
3: thought the guidance was good i thought i mean the mirror acquisition i think they paid 500 million dollars i think will end up being a home run which is which is great the problem is tim brought up right it's 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 double the market multiple, double. And, you know, it's price for perfection. They've delivered perfection. That makes it fairly valued right here. So I don't own it anymore. It's a, it's a really great company. But, you know, if a little bit of the, the post-pandemic slows things down a little, or even the perception is more uh, pronounced that, okay, they're, they were a pandemic stock, then I think there's downside. All
1: right. Well, have got a lot more ahead here on Fast Money. Here's what's coming up next.
0: No red lights for Ford and GM. These stocks putting the pedal to the metal. You better buckle up for this next trade. Plus, a tweet with some heat. Twitter announcing a new subscription service. So is this stock ready to take flight? We've got that and a lot more when Fast Money returns.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. Shares of Tesla heading lower after reports of some bearish developments abroad. Let's get to Phil LeBeau has got the details. Hey, Phil.
10: Hey, Melissa. What you're looking at is Tesla under pressure on a report that it is uh, suffering weak sales in China. This report comes from the information. We have not corroborated the information, but essentially, this is what it comes down to in China, according to the publication, the information, Tesla's May sales were essentially cut in half, going from 18,000 down to about 9,800. And they also mentioned week, week over uh, declining week-over-week week orders that they were not improving. What's behind it? Could be that we've seen a number of reports out of China about customer complaints hurting demand. That the image of Tesla, it's been beaten up a fair amount over the last month or two. As you take a look at Tesla versus Volkswagen, the reason we're showing you this is because China is the world's largest auto market and the largest EV market. It will be the largest EV market for the foreseeable future as that government continues to push incentives there. So, Melissa, if this is true, if, if, te- if Tesla suffered declining sales in May after weak sales in April, it raises the question, is this a pattern here? And if it is, it's not a good one, especially in a country where the EV demand and the EV market is growing.
1: So you think it's a Tesla problem as opposed to a China problem? And I asked you this, Phil, since GM and Ford are really ramping up their EV right. efforts, is, is this a window for them to gain share in the China market?
10: They certainly believe it is. Not just GM and Ford, but all automakers believe that for a long time people said, wow, once the gigafactory in Shanghai opens up, Tesla's going to clean up in China. These reports have to give some momentum to shares of the other automakers and their investors who are looking at this saying, "Okay, maybe it's not an automatic loss in China when it comes to the EV market. Remember, while EVs are growing very quickly there, it's still a developing market. So there's room for GM, Volkswagen, really all of the automakers to make moves and to gain share there. And speaking of the legacy automakers, Melissa, take a look at all of them. GM, Ford, uh, Stellantis, which is the parent of Fiat Chrysler. Toyota, Honda, Daimler, BMW, all at 52-week highs. They have Mm. substantially moved higher, all of those stocks, within the last three months.
1: Wow. Phil, thank you. Phil LeBeau. Still going to use the Stellantis. Um, Tim Seymour, in terms of where we are on Ford and GM, um, is there still room in this valuation?
4: Yeah, look, I think th- there's plenty of room in this valuation when we start talking about Ford and GM and Tesla as competitors. And if Tesla is an automaker um, and this is an EV story, GM's like, GM's EV business and their partnership in China already, um, to me, makes them the, the biggest player. So um, I, I, I think that we've said this many times on this show. Uh, I am long GM. I'm long Ford. Uh, I'm bigger in GM and I have more I think conviction there just because of the quality of the operations there in addition to the multiple. So um, somewhere around nine and a half times we closed it at at an all time high today after consolidating uh, around the sixty one to sixty three dollar level. I you know, I think you're just getting going on this as we've started to pay more attention to the EV profile. Look, Ford's focus on EV is good for GM. Meanwhile, GM is focused across autonomous uh, hydrogen fuel cell and just their core business, which has never been more profitable.
1: Karen, do you think that the notion of a China market uh, being a, a real, viable market, I, don't want, I say that hesitantly because, um, obviously, GM is in that market in a very strong way already, but um, in terms of the EV market, do you think that's in the valuation? When we have this, this, this addition to the, to the valuation of, of GM, to the market cap of GM, is part of that China EV, or is that only U.S. EV?
3: I think part of it is China EV. I don't think it's a substantial part of it. So I think, you know, they talked today about, uh, they sort of said, we're going to beat our numbers meaningfully. I don't know what that means. I think the street's looking for 225 this quarter. I mean, at 11 times multiple-ish where it's trading, that's saying, oh, that's a 30 plus, 30, 30 cent beat. I think the focus of the beat is U.S. focus, though. So that's, and that's the bulk, the, the bulk of the value. And so I also think the management at GM has done a masterful job as well. And, you know, they've navigated the semiconductor shortage, I think, better than some others. That's what's helping them here. So the China story is great, but that's not what that's not the bulk of the value.
0: Listen, I have to apologize. I just said in that last block that Lulu was the worst-looking chart in the entire market. Mm-hmm. It's, Correction. Tes- it's Tesla. Oh, Carter Worth put a chart out this afternoon. Oh. This stock is below that uptrend from the March 2020 lows. It's up down considerably 35%. It's in a massive downtrend. If you get through that February low down there at 540, guy, you were eyeing that. I think there's a beeline back to that $400 level. I'm just telling you, man. And usually you're looking over my shoulder and you're going to have to do some different things in this little setup here, it's hard. that's a bad-looking chart.
2: No, it, it's an awful, and I'm the one that said when they reported earnings and the stock was trading 720 dollars that oh, this did. time tomorrow it'll be 750, dollars and here we are $200 lower. Quickly, though, kudos to both Tim and Karen, and we said the math problem in terms of Ford is $1.70 worth of earnings, 10 multiple, it's a 17 dollars 5 stock. Oh, by the way, on May 27th, RBC put a $17 price target on it.
1: Coming up, we've got even more after hours action for you. CrowdStrike on the move after reporting earnings. We're digging into that trade in just a few. Also, we're going to dig into some AMC headlines. Stay tuned. Fast Money's back right after this. Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got some breaking news on AMC. The company filing a proxy request to issue 25 million new shares in 2022. The stock is down 5%. In the after-hour session. It hasn't really moved too much on the back of this particular headline. Karen Feinerman, I go to you. What do you make of this? We are literally just talking about how much more they would have to issue in order to make a dent um, in their debt. Right. I don't get the 2022
3: part. Um, I would think they'd want to, you know, have shares at the ready as quickly as they can. Maybe that is as quickly as they can. I don't know. That, so that part is sort of surprising to me. I would think they would file as big a shelf as they possibly can, bigger than, bigger than 25 million. So I'm a, I'm a little surprised.
2: I'm glad she said at the ready if you top gun fans out there you remember when Maverick was on ready five and he didn't get the catapult up in time and the guy said it's going to take a few minutes and the the head admiral said I won't use the word he said but it's going to be over in two I mean it's going to be over too quick 2022 we're dinosaurs in 2022 I I don't understand the point of the 2022 thing this should be 2022 like time tomorrow eight at 22 in the morning or something.
0: I'm yeah, just saying. I think they, they, can, they can put the shelf out there, whether they have access to sell the shares, is that's what Rich Greenfield was just talking about. They would need right. shareholder approval. So just put shelves. Anybody could put the shelf out there, you know what I mean? But you can't sell the shares, right?
1: So, oh, I see what you're saying. So there's no dilution. It's just simply it's just a placeholder. just the holder. shelf. The yeah. shelf's yeah, yeah, out yeah, yeah,
0: there, yeah. and then when they get the proxy approval, then they can hit some bids. That's, that's, that's why no, bids.
1: no movement or not much movement yeah. the after hours on the back True. of this. Um, Tim, your thoughts?
4: Uh, never lose, you know, never leave your wingman, Mel. I mean, I think that's the, the, the operative message here from, from Maverick. Um, now, look, I, I think the case here is you, you really have to uh, take this day by day with this company. Uh, ultimately, balance sheet repair is one thing. I think we've all talked about there's, uh, you know, Rich, look, Rich laid out the share count and ultimately what you'd have to do to really change the fundamental balance sheet dynamic, the OPEX, the CAPEX, uh, and the story. So, I, you know, I, I, nothing's changed here.
1: All right. Coming up, we are all over the after-hours action. Crowd strike the stock on the move after reporting earnings. You've got that trade next. And as CNBC celebrates Pride Month all through June, here's CNBC's Shepard Smith.
10: I think to celebrate, you have to first be thankful. You have to be thankful for those people who came out when it was difficult and potentially injurious, and it could be a hazard to their health. And they did it for years and years so that all of us can live authentically. And I'm so thankful for every single person who did that.
1: Welcome back to Fast Money. We've got another earnings alert for you, this time on CrowdStrike. Seema Modi's got the details. Hey, Seema.
11: Melissa, just yesterday you guys were talking about how cybersecurity stocks haven't done a whole lot this year. year. Well, shares of CrowdStrike did turn positive and extended trade on its strong earnings report but now uh, basically flat on the hour CEO George Kurtz referencing the quote heightened threat environment saying it's provided more runway for longer term growth demand is there for CrowdStrike's products in the first quarter over 1500 net new subscription customers added in the quarter half of total subscription customers now adopting at least five cloud modules so adoption of cloud is happening, that's something that analysts have been writing about. And Wall Street is taking notice. In fact, last week Cowan & Co. named CrowdStrike its top pick in the cybersecurity space, forecasting double-digit growth, saying that the company should benefit from a future with more remote and hybrid work options. Its other top picks from Cowan include Fair and Fortinet. Uh, and just worth noting, shares of CrowdStrike still trading down by around 14% from its 52-week high.
1: All right, Seema, thank you. Seema Modi, um, we've had a lot of conversations about these stocks recently. And Tim, you have been behind this one. So what are your comments on the quarter?
4: Look, it was a beat. It was a raise. Fifteen hundred and twenty four new subs, one hundred and forty four million in new ARR. And again, we would seen the ARR growth. Seventy five percent ish revenue growth. Eighty one percent. I mean, you know, analysts saying double digit growth. I mean, high, high, high double digit growth. Um, high, 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 high is also the multiple here, as we also said, 37, 38, 40 times uh, revenues, and that's difficult. But uh, where we are right now in, in the fight against uh, you know, cloud and, and all types of cyber threats, um, early days still and a customer base that's growing so i kinda like this one despite the multiple as i said multiple times uh... and the price action uh... you're not chasing this one i think it's been consolidating around this two hundred level uh... and i kinda like it higher
1: interesting because we had lulu also good quarter good guidance not much movement in the after hour session we've got this one s- fits sort of the same profile here guy in terms of high valuation but did deliver the quarter
2: it was a great quarter again their margins were very good and that's Cowan report that Siemens just talked about may 26th they talked about z scale i think they put a 225 price target there palo alto networks 425 they initiated the entire space i mean this is an excellent quarter but to your point you're not getting a price accident you should today these stocks traded horribly on the back of all the conversations we had yesterday not suggesting we should have anything to do with it going up or down but you would think given all the news these stocks would trade better somebody pointed out all the news is the reason they're not trading better because if these companies were doing their jobs you wouldn't have these hacks I mean really? it's a very circular yeah. thing that's going around out there but that's sort of the the Mimi people or the jiffy people or who are those people are all the people on the line right on the <laughs> line <laughs>
1: yeah. coming up the traders are breaking down what they are expecting out of tomorrow's big jobs report do not move fast one he's back into All right, we are counting down to tomorrow's jobs report. Street expectations are high. Consensus looking for 671,000 non farm payrolls added last month. What's the setup into tomorrow's print? Tim, good news is well, what for the markets? Yeah
4: right right bad news was good news last month remember we 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 were feeling probably one of the crescendos of inflation fears and we were getting a rate spike and and it came at the right time adp this morning at nine hundred seventy-five thousand, well above expected look the 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 dynamic is that the services part of the economy is is humming and finding workers is starting to become a problem i know that sounds crazy or getting people to come back to work um, let's see how that works into the equation. If you saw that ISM services number today, crazy high. I think all-time high um, and the breakdown according to the services story. So, so look, um, I, I think there's a chance that this is a number that could catch people's attention to the hot side. Um, at a day when we started, You know, we saw the 10-year sell off about 3 tenths of a point, starting to get back up near the top of that range, starting to see some volatility in markets. I think this is uh, one the markets need to be careful about.
1: Hot side meaning it misses expectations?
4: No, I, I think hot side, meaning it, it, it shows meaning a stronger bigger. economy uh, and puts, oh, okay. puts a l- yeah, puts a little more pressure on things.
1: Okay, Karen?
3: I'm sort of in Tim's camera, uh, hot, but not too hot, right? Because then that starts, at the, a giant number, then people really start to think about, all right, is, does the tapering timeline get pushed forward? So hot, but not too hot is ideal.
2: The April number was a disaster, as we all know. Ten-year yields before the number were 158. They immediately traded down to 147 and spent the rest of the day rallying and closing unchanged. So the bond market's telling you something, to Tim's point. I happen to think the number will be good. I have no idea what it's going to be. And I think rates go higher from here. I think tomorrow's a fascinating day for the marketplace, Melissa Lee.
1: All right, breaking news here on Bill Ackman's SPAC. Sources telling CNBC it is nearing a deal with Universal Music Group, which would value the company at about $40 billion. Do you have a quick comment, Dan, on this?
0: Uh, I mean, everyone knew they were looking. They had to have a huge acquisition right. here, the so target. it kind of put a certain amount of private companies in that sort of situation. I mean, listen, I, you know, music uh, labels and stuff like that seems so last decade. I don't know.
1: Right. Up next, <laughs> final trades. Time for the final trade. Let's go around the horn. Tim Seymour.
4: Yeah, Walmart, a, a friend in COVID, a friend coming out of COVID in, in stimulus and and not. And, and a name that I think is actually cheap on multiple.
1: Karen Feinerman.
3: Yeah, so if the number is hot and multiples get crushed, I want to be in the big cap farmer space for me, Lily. Dan Nathan.
0: Gayatami thinks the dollar is going much lower. He thinks it's going to be deleterious to the stock market. I think the dollar is going higher. I think you play that through the UUP on the long side
1: getting in your grill guy it totally it's Once like and nothing's and, changed nothing's it's like changed. nothing's
2: changed but I'll tell you what's changed the DocuSign downtrend has changed hmm. D.O.C.U. Mel all right
1: thanks for watching fast we'll see you back here
7: tomorrow at five for more fast